was 1993. I was a pastor in South Carolina. And I'm not saying I invented trunk or treat. But it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And it got so popular, it spread all around the world. I'm not saying I invented it, but I was an early adopter. I did invent the internet. Some of you know what that means. Anyway, um, listen, it's a big deal. If you're just on the fence about this, get your car, get your trunk out there. Um, They've even allowed me to bring my van. If you've seen my van, I was going to bring a picture, but they said, no, that's too scary. They don't want any scary stuff. So I'm transforming my van. You got to come and see this thing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. So uh, come give me a little competition. Is it a competition? Do you have the best trunk? Sure? We've just decided it's a competition. I'm not competitive, but I'm going to win. Anyway, uh, hey, real quick, um, uh, I'm asking about groups, and uh, we're coming into the holiday season, so we don't officially launch things. We're looking at some official launch of the first of the year. But I believe it's important. I'm not a big believer in groups, but I am in community. And a lot of ways that you build that relationship is to find people that like doing what you do and to be a part of that. And so we've got some amazing groups just coming, surfacing. Uh, We've got, uh, uh, how many like smoking? Not Marlboro's, meats. We got a guy who's going to do a a, a smoking meats group. (laughs) I'm in for that one. (laughs) And uh, we've got a new group that's going to deal with addictions and stuff like that. Uh, we've got, uh, if we can find a place, we've got a woodworking group that wants to get launched. Uh, we've got all sorts of discipleship groups that are just organic. I'm a big believer in a lot of that being organic. At one time, we had offered 50 groups, and one or two people might show up to one of those 50s, but we ended up having five groups that were out of 50. So the official organization thing doesn't always work. But we really believe it. So we're working on stuff for that. So just be aware. If you're interested in any of those groups or starting a group, connect at jfc.org. I'll get that and we'll follow up with there. Anyway, uh, we're in a great series. Pastor John just, God, that guy can preach. I'm glad I'm at this church. I'm telling you, I've heard some bad preachers. Um, I have even listened to some of my sermons. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, uh, man, every weekend we've got great preaching uh, I hear a lot of comments about Jake and Kate and Daniel. Uh, I love that, and I'm honored to have the opportunity today. And so we're in the unexpected words of Jesus, all right? I'm going to talk about that, all right? But let me set this up. It's very important you get this opening foundation to get to where I'm going. The kingdom of heaven in itself is an unexpected way of living. How many know that? Everything about God's kingdom literally is turned upside down to what the world values and seeks. And so if you really want to understand God's kingdom, you've got to look at these unexpected words that we're talking about. George Barna, a Christian researcher, wrote this. American Christianity has largely failed since the middle of the 20th century. Here's why. Jesus' modern-day disciples do not act like Jesus. All this confirms why the culture generally views Christians as hypocrites. This is science. It's not, it's an actual study of of people and what they think and what they do. Far from being hostile toward Jesus' message, our society is hungry for precisely the kind of integrity, 
gentleness, kindness, and love Jesus reveals in his message. We, how many of you claim to be a Jesus follower? We, you that raised your hands, seek a life shaped by his kingdom. We hold the key to change in our culture. If we want the world to take Jesus more seriously, maybe we should try it first. Think about that. Maybe we should try it first. It's easy to get in the church thing and to go and be an attender and all that. That's all great. We're so glad you're here. But our heart isn't that you just come on a weekend. Our heart is that you reflect Jesus in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood, wherever you are living out your life. And that leads us to living in unexpected ways. And that is coming down to really the most important thing for us, the way of life versus the way of religion. It's easy to get into religion. It's easy to follow rules or to assume we're following rules. But what the world needs is people who are following Jesus. I just read an article out of the Atlantic. (coughs) I just read it literally 20 minutes ago. Talking about the demise of the evangelical church. How it's got so politicized and divisive. And I want to make clear, and I'm speaking on behalf of Pastor John in our church. This church, as mentioned by Jake, is about Jesus. Okay? I don't care of your political persuasion. I hope you have a belief. I hope you are active. But when you bring that in to be divisive in the church, which is happening all across America, you have missed the point. It's about Jesus. So we'll talk about that. So where do we learn a lot about his unexpected sayings, believe it or not, in the Sermon of the Mount? When he preached this sermon, it's a lifestyle for committed disciples. It was given as a way of life for men and women in the kingdom. So if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to understand a lot of things, all right? And there's something here that I really want to help you realize of where we get into certain ideas, okay, about um, Jesus, about Christianity, all right? Uh, Some of you know me. uh, You've been here a while. Some of you are new. How many are new within the last year to GFC? Awesome. Let's give these folks a hand. Come on. So a little of my story, I've I've had a good life. Okay? I'm 50 years. No, I'm not. I'm way older than 50. But I'll be honest. Except for a cough, I've not had a lot of trauma or drama. Had a good life. Okay? Uh, grew up in the church. God was good. Enjoyed that life. Had amazing parents. They were just the best uh, and, and went and, and lived a good life. Okay? And so didn't experience a lot of stuff. And uh, obviously there's struggles in all of life, you know, some rough places to work, things like that, some marriage struggles. But nothing that was really what you'd define as life altering. And then uh, my daughter Heather and her uh, husband Jesse... Uh, experienced the death of a newborn baby. That was hard. And it was really rocky and rough. Even in that, God has done some neat miracles, okay? But that was the beginning in my good life of experiencing some terrible things. Not a bad record, though, at that point for 50-plus years, having a good life. Some of you here have had a very difficult life in younger years. Then six years ago, excuse me, my wife Brenda began to have some swelling and pain in her abdomen. At that point, she was diagnosed with cancer. 
Three, after three surgeries, several rounds of chemo, and some experimental drugs, she lost her battle with life on earth. That, for me, was the beginning of a difficult season of mourning and loss. So three and a half years ago, <coughs> excuse me, we celebrated her life. We laughed, we cried, we had a great service. So many wonderful people. Pastor John, my good friend Greg, did the service. But after all my kids went back to their homes, when all of many of you, my wonderful friends, church family, had to get back to real life in your world, this emptiness began to set in. So for the first time in 45 years, I was actually alone in body and soul. Now listen, I know a lot of you have suffered many similar things. All right, some of you that I don't know may be suffering similar things. It's not about me. It's just a way to communicate this message. Maybe life has given you cause to mourn. Maybe you've lost. But I want to focus then on those that have mourned and lost and grieved on what Jesus tells us that's very unexpected. He says this in Matthew 5, 4. Those who mourn are blessed. Really? Those who mourn are blessed. And then he says, for they will be comforted. Jesus, in some translation, says, happy are those who mourn. That was not my experience, and maybe not yours either. And so I don't know if my mind can get around that idea of being happy in that morning, but time has given me a chance to really look at some things that God was doing. How can we be happy with terrible things that cause us grief. I think it starts with this. We have a problem understanding God. I had a problem understanding God. I grew up and I believe that if you lived a good life, God gives you good things. Anybody here relate to that? All right, and so it's easy to be judgmental about that. All right, I am good, so I'm blessed. That was my way of thinking. I'm good, so I'm blessed. Versus, God is good, so I'm blessed. In that little twist of a statement, there's huge theology that goes on there. And sometimes we miss it as I missed it. It's not new. Our ancient Jewish culture, at the time Jesus was teaching this message, was plagued with this same tendency. They had this understanding of what people are blessed. So this message was revolutionary. So at that time, many people believed that if you were healthy, if you were in position of power, if you were rich, if you were respected, that you were clearly favored by God. It's easy for that to creep into our way of thinking. All right? But the opposite, what's naturally to believe is the opposite is true. If your life was bad, if you were having difficulties, it must be because you are bad and God has cursed you for your sinfulness. So easy to get into that. Now, I will tell you, I grew up, babe, I know you're here. You snuck in. She was a nurse at the youth retreat. What a delightful sight. I talked to her about it in the first service. I don't know if I can now. She's giving me the eye. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, 
you just took my thought. I just, you're so amazing. Anyway, let me get back to that. Okay, in, in this sense of, I always thought God liked me a lot. I thought he liked me more than you. I thought I was his favorite. I, there was just this thing about, man, God just really loves me. My life is just so good. He just loves me. And, and he didn't love Jake as much. He loves him. Don't get me wrong. All of you are loved, but not as much. And then, boom, it all goes south. And it's easy to get in this thought, hmm, maybe God really does like Jake more than me. Maybe I'm not sure, all right? And so what are those things in your life that has caused you to mourn? Obviously, death of a loved one. Many of you experienced that. COVID brought on a lot of death, a lot of loss of life. And then I have had the privilege and really a great privilege of meeting so many of our divorced people and talking through their life and the difficulties of that. I was talking to a gentleman in our church who's going through that, and I, just this thought occurred to me. You know what? When, when, when you have the death of a spouse, it's one big cut. But if you have a divorce, it's a thousand little cuts. You're still cut. You're still bleeding. And I have just this great sensitivity for that. But there's so much grief and loss that comes with divorce. Let me just say, we're for marriage. But we're also for people that are going through things that they didn't want to go through. And if you've ever felt like because we're promoting marriage that we've left you out, do not think that. You are important. Your loneliness is important. I understand it in a way I didn't years ago. You are valuable. Some of the mourning comes from uh, abuse that you've suffered. Some of the mourning comes from uh, physical illness or sickness or chronic pain. Some of that creates a loss in a mourning, Pam. There are things in the life. Listen, how many are mourning getting old? I ache before I even get out of bed. And then when I get out of bed, my body makes noises and it wakes Nancy up. She says, would you quit getting out of bed? We age. We begin to look at loss from what, what that represents. If you're young, you look at maybe your life and the dreams that have, have not been materialized or dreams that have failed. All of this loss causes a grief and a mourning in us. In 2 Corinthians 4.8, we're told we, all of us here, are pressed on every side by troubles. But the, the foundation of God's unexpected word says we're not crushed. And then he says we are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. I failed in that. I did not experience that truth, and I'll explain why. I learned this, and this is just what I would have. Mourning taught me two things. The first thing is mourning breaks you. It breaks you. I was grateful that Brenda suffered no longer. Uh, Pastor John, Chris, this church, my family, friends, were so amazing through all the cancer, through all the death. And all of those mean a lot, trust me, and I'll talk more about that. 
All right, I was happy that she was no longer in pain. But I didn't realize the implications that that would cause my children and me. We were happy that she was no longer in pain. But, all right, this breaking began to take place. I had this confidence in God. I had this belief that we're going to live this great, good, easy life. How many have that easy button in your house somewhere? You know what I'm talking about? There's this red button, you put it easy. I was pounding on that an awful lot. And it wasn't easy, all right? It broke me. I had a conversation this week with my friend Pat. He lost his wife 10 days before Brenda. And we talked about there's this hole. And maybe in divorce it causes that too. But there's this hole in your life. And what we tend to do is we try to fill that hole up. Because we don't want a hole in our life. Because a hole in our life hurts. And we try to fill that hole up. And we do things that we think would fill that up. And yet they end up being very destructive. All right. And so... After she had passed away, we had the wonderful privilege to take in her ashes to Hawaii. That was a beautiful time. We went through her birthday and our anniversary. That was really neat remembrances. But then this moment of opening my mind up to selfishness and self-centeredness started me on this path of breaking. And it was my birthday October 4th, two years ago, and I was beginning to think, crap. Well, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah. (laughs) What's a better word? Shoot. (laughs) Same thing. Okay, I, I won't touch that. Anyway, I was just getting really... Here's the deal, okay? Um... I would always make a big deal about her birthday and our anniversary. I'm a, my love language is gift giving. Nancy knows that real well. She's taking all those gifts to Goodwill. There's just too many around the house, you know. Anyway. Bless her, Bless her yeah. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, the day that she really made special, always would make a German chocolate cake with double frosting. Isn't that good? How many like double frosting? My people. I, I'm okay with just a lot of frosting and a little cake. I mean, just do three layers of frosting and a little cake on top, and I'm good with that. Should make dinner or something, would always have. But that year, no cake. Somebody in the church had heard about it and brought over, and it is, meant a lot. But how selfish I was, I was thinking, that's not her cake. How stupid. I look back and I was broken. And I got into this negative, dark funk that just stayed with me. And when you're in that place, I'm going to tell you, and some of you might be there today, you make bad decisions. And I just began to just disconnect from God. I wasn't angry with God. There wasn't that anger. But can I tell you, I was very disappointed Not so much in God, but disappointed in his plan. How he turned my life upside down. How he brought my kids to sorrow. My grandkids not having a grandmother. I got disappointed with God. And I began to just think that over and over again. And so I began to look through the lens of my life at everything that was negative. And I began to get deeper and deeper and deeper into this area of brokenness. I began to realize this big hole in my life Try to stay busy. Try to be active. Try to do this. Try to do that. 
And so it broke me in these ways. Number one, I realized, even though I'd been around it as a pastor personally, that, that I'm mortal. That this world only has a limited time frame of health, wealth, happiness, wherever you're at. And you've maybe discovered that in the last few years, that those things change, that you're not guaranteed easy. That you may want it, and I may want it, and we may like it, but folks, we don't always get easy. We get disease. We get death. We get divorce. We get broken families. We get a lot of mess in this world. And it begins to shape our thinking of God. We begin to realize, oh my, God isn't that good. And it turns us in the wrong direction. And in this mortality, there began to be this fear of like, what's next? What is God going to do to me now? And I realized that I'm in a very vulnerable place now. I had this great confidence, this great joy, this great happiness, and now I'm very vulnerable. And who knows what's going to happen next? I was broken. I felt so weak. And then what do you do when you feel that way? Many of you have done this. You isolate. You just close in. And I remember I was doing groups, and I would go through groups, and I'd come home, and I would just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I did my job as best I could, but honestly... I didn't like you. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. Because I didn't like myself. I, didn't, I, just, I just got isolated. And then I just began to drop off on my scripture reading. I dropped off on my prayer. I dropped off on my passion for God. And when you do that, guess what happens? You go down a path. And you just live a life separate from God. And, and I could go to church like many of you can go to church and have that great religious glow, but deep down inside there was just this, this darkness. And it was such a terrible place. And so what happens? What is the benefit of that breaking? All right, and I can look back now, and if you're in the middle of it now, please listen, because you will look back and you'll see these things. Number one, what happens with the breaking is, first of all, it humbles you. There's a tendency for us to have a self-pride about our life. Man, I'm all that. I'm doing good. Life is good. It's because I'm good. God has blessed me. But it took away that. And it put me at this place, literally, eventually, and I'll share that in a moment, where I was just humbled by who God is. You read the book of Job, it's an experience. He had a phenomenal writing through those chapters of a man who literally lived a very righteous life and literally was very blessed by God, lost so much of it. But at the end, God says, who are you, Job? Did you do all these miraculous, amazing God things? And Job had to come with humility and said, no. You are the Lord God Almighty. Folks, we need that. We need that. We are so individualistic. We are so not meaning to be, but self-centered on our reliance of ourself. And when you get in that dark place, there's this wonderful gift of God called humility. And he begins to do something in that place because then you're open. The second thing I learned is that it refines me. In that brokenness, you're willing to listen to what God wants to do in your life. Before it was my agenda, now it's God's agenda. And it refocuses me. It allows me to see what's important in life. Because folks, please hear my heart. We get so focused. Listen, 
we get so focused on our day-to-day. We are living a mad rush. You know what? I told Nancy the other day, the nice thing about COVID when it was happening, nobody was out driving. <laughs> You've been out driving lately? Golly, where are all these people going? Probably where I'm going. I began to look then in that dark time in my life, and I came to this place. It was tough. I remember being so lonely. And please, if you're here today and you're a single person, Lord knows I get it. I was so lonely. I remember my first date after that. My daughter actually hooked me up with a lady in her church. We were out visiting North Carolina, and her motive was that I could fall in love with the lady there and move to North Carolina. Like I didn't know. Oh, Dad, this, well, she ended up being crazy. She really was. You know what I learned in single life? And I mean this. Women are crazy. Men are jerks. That's why women are crazy. It's true. This lady was nuts. So I thought, oh, that's, that's just, you know, I'm sure that'll happen. And, and I would go on a few dates, and it was awkward. I hadn't dated since I was 17 years old, and I didn't know if the rules changed. I didn't know anything about dating. Uh, and, and I'm not nervous around people or anything like that, and I enjoy being around people. But, man, it was just awkward. It was just not fun. It was just like, and I finally got to the place where I said, God, you're going to have to bring her to my door. <laughs> he didn't bring her to my door, but he brought her to my message box, which is a pretty cool story. So I want to talk about how morning blesses you. Remember I said that you get this hole in your life and you try to fill it, all right? And I don't think that the hole is meant to ever be filled. I think in this life, God wants to allow us to go through with those holes to always be a reminder, and that's a good thing. But you don't want to fall into that hole the rest of your life. And so these things that I learned about how morning blessed me allowed me to learn how to step over the whole. And it's great to experience that with God. So, all right, I'm saying, God, I really had just said, Lord, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not going to pursue this. And, and a, a lot of people in the church were hooking me up with, you know, their aunt or grandmother, or, you know, weird stuff. I was dating grandmothers. But I'm a grandpa. I always thought that was weird. I never thought I'd be dating a grandmother, but I'm a grandfather. I mean, duh. That humility thing really needed to kick in there. All right, there's a guy here, and I love him. He's witty. He's smart. All right, I'll tell you what he said in a minute. But so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in this place where I've let go. And in the meantime, God had been working on this beautiful woman in our church. She had gone through some relationship difficulties Several years ago, her husband literally abandoned her in every way, betrayed her every way, and left her wounded and and, and heartbroken. She made a way in her life, raised her daughter, does amazing things, been a part of JFC, even when she moved away to take care of a father who was dying. She moved back, and she's literally had just, Lord, I'm giving up. I'll just leave it in your hands. And there's so much to this, I don't have time to go into. But she's in church. I'm literally up doing what Jake did a minute ago, giving announcements. 
The Holy Spirit spoke to her, and you can believe this or not, doesn't matter. We know it's real. Spoke to her and said, he's your man. Pretty cool, huh? I paid a guy 20 bucks behind her to say, he's your man. Best 20 bucks I've ever spent in my life. Got a wife out of that, all right? So, man, I'm telling you, it was then all in. You're going to get mad, but Nancy, stand up. This is my wife. Come on. She's amazing. I love her so much. I never thought I could love again. I had an amazing relationship with Brenda, but I never thought I could love again. And God is very good, but we are blessed because he's good. And that's an important thing. Guy in our church, he's here. I love him. He's funny. So witty. He walked up and he said, dude, how come you get two great women or hot, hot women? That's what he said. I didn't know how to answer him. What do you say? Oh, I'm just cool? No. That wasn't the fact. It's just like God was good. And listen, there's a weaving of God in this. Okay? You can't eliminate that. And the message I want to say to you is wherever you're at, if you're waiting, wait. Let God do what he needs to do. Let him focus in that. And so uh, I, I, she sent this. Uh, she, look at what we do when God speaks to us sometime, when it's a big stretch of faith, we kind of modify that. We kind of adjust that. So the idea was, well, maybe that's not really God saying he's your man. Maybe the Lord's just saying I should encourage him. She wrote this nice note. All right. We thought she said she's not a stalker, but we went back and she didn't say that. Uh, I kind of like to stalk her. I mean, every now and then it's kind of fun to have a life like that. But anyway, she wrote some very nice things. She said she felt prompted to write that and all that. But when I got it, it's like, this is a very neat person. And it wasn't romantic or anything. I didn't know her from Man on the Moon. So uh, she gave me a Facebook access or whatever you call that. And she's with guys in there. I thought she was married. I really did. And so uh, a few days later, I realized that wasn't the case. And so, you know, hey, I thought, okay. You know, she, I didn't know God had said what God had did, but there was something in my heart. It was a miracle that I even got our messenger. Larry Good, our, our, our uh, missionary in Peru, is a great friend. We were going to go to Alaska that summer. And so the only time I ever went to messenger was to see what the plans were. I wouldn't have seen it for months, and that's the truth. I just don't go on Facebook that much. And so how does God work? I'm, I'm going, she sends a thing on messenger. I said, next time in church, say, hi, I wanted to meet her. I was going to Alaska. She was going to California for work. Well, we ended up start texting back and forth, and it was just delightful. She was witty and funny, and we had a lot of similar interests, and uh, it was really great. And so we set up a date. Uh, the, the, the test was Italian or Mexican. She, she chose Mexican. Uh, it would have been all over if it was Italian, but anyway. Uh, and we had this big debate on queso or guacamole. How many guac people are here? All right. Anyway. Uh, queso, listen, come on, green, mushy stuff versus hot, warm, cheesy. Now, I do like guac, but man, queso is just the best. So we, we had a taste off. We, we went out and we had a date and uh, um, we, we ordered dinner and literally talked for three and a half hours. I knew that night, wow, God, I could spend my life with her. She did not know that. <laughs> just... I was humbled again. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'd set up a date to go to a baseball game. So, so second date, I thought, you know those hot dogs at the Rockies game, those big Rocky dogs, whatever they're called, and they're just oozing with good stuff? Well, she just, it's dripping. I was like, ah, oh, my kind of woman, man. 
So you eat a hot dog and not be all girly about it, and it's really good. So we had a great date, and so, man, I'm full court press. I'm all out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to love this girl. Scared her to death. I mean, cards, letters, flowers, you name it. She thought I was a, she thought I was a stalker at that point, but I wasn't going to let up. And so anyway, finally, finally, uh, uh, she just said, I just need to hear from God. Because I, I knew, I'd heard, but she didn't hear from God. And so uh, she decided to just take a three-day break in our relationship and just, just pray and listen to God. And so uh, I got this Thomas Kincaid puzzle. It's the neatest puzzle. It's Jesus walking with the disciple. And I thought that was the road. She was going to literally just spend that time walking with Jesus to try to understand what God's will was for her life. So I got her that puzzle. I thought, if that didn't work, I got her a bottle of wine. I was going all out, folks. I was trying to, you know, win this thing. But God did speak to her. And so it wasn't long after that I proposed. Uh, we got married in Jerusalem on 11-11 of that year. Uh, amazing story. God was good. It was good. Now, that led to learning about relationships again, learning how I thought all women thought the same. I failed on that one. They all don't think the same. I actually learned with Brenda that as soon as you figure them out, they change. No, literally, and that's okay. Men, we don't change. We're the same goofballs from the day you marry us to the day, you know, it, it's, it's over. Anyway. Listen. How does mourning bless you? You might be thinking, well, my story hadn't ended up that way. Well, your story's not done yet. Yeah, maybe mine happened pretty fast, but folks, God weaves in and out of your life to do his will. There is a purpose in that time. You might be waiting. You might be saying, well, Terry, it's not fair. You got that girl. She got that guy. Yeah, but listen, it all had to be the right timing for God. Nancy had to wait 11 years. 11 years. All right? So you have to know that, all right? You have to understand. So what happened in the blessing? I found God in a new way. I had based my mindset on God based on the goodness of my life. And I found that in the difficulties that God was there in a very powerful way. If you will seek him, the scripture says you will find him. And when I quit seeking him, I got in that dark place. But when I got it back right, I began to seek God. And after that, the plan unfolded and his work. You also have community, okay? Some of you are here, you're good friends I love you. We have great things. I read a statement. Actually, in that article about churches uh, is very interesting, okay? He said this, and he's talking about churches that are falling apart uh, all across America. And he says, not being in community destabilizes what has long been a core sense of Christian identity. I said earlier, I'm not into groups. I'm into community. I'm into connection. It's easy for you to come here every weekend and enjoy great preaching with Pastor John, great music with our worship team. Thank you for coming to a school. It's in a different adjustment. It's short term, but thank you for doing that. But don't go home, pat yourself on the back, say, I did my religious duty. Jesus said this is a lifestyle, and his lifestyle is his church. His kingdom is about relationship. It starts with the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, all intricately involved in relationship. That is the model. That is the core. You need to be in that, first and foremost, in your marriage and your family. You need to have that connection spiritually, all right, emotionally in that. And if it's not happening, allow God to show you how to get it there. But you, as folks of his church, we really need to look at that. And even things like trunk or treat are great ways to come and meet people. 
and find people you want to hang out with and build that community with. It's so valuable. Folks, I'm telling you, I had two groups at that time that I've been involved with for a long time. One of the couples comes up the first Sunday after uh, Brenda's death that I was in church. They came up, and I want to say this, okay? You don't have to have words. Matter of fact, sometimes people just say stuff that doesn't help, okay? I get that. I've said those things, but now I don't say those things. All right, so here's the point. Sometimes just someone carrying me. These two people, husband and wife, they just put their arms around me. They knew Brenda what? We just cried. We just cried. And it was just this emotional release that I needed. I was glad I didn't get a sermon or a religious platitude. I was glad that they didn't say something religious. I know those things. You know those things. It's just good for somebody just to care. People would bring food. Not that I needed any. Anyway just was cool. So what happens outside of learning God in a new way in community? What happens with the blessing? Here are the four things. You get an eternal focus. I was living my life in the temporary. We tend to do that. You get an eternal focus. Folks, Brenda's in heaven. She doesn't have to deal with cancer. She doesn't have to deal with the political stuff. Some of that stuff would have drove her nuts. Jeremiah's here. He'd known. She'd gone crazy with what's going on in our world. All right? I would be afraid of what she would do. Anyway, if you knew Brenda, you know what I mean there. She would just, uh, she's at peace. She's at joy. She's at health. She's at life. She's at, she's at eternal life. We're still living here. We're still dealing with this. Yes, it left a big hole in all of our life. All right? But the eternal focus means whatever God does here, it is eternal. And it's valuable. I learned to rely on God in ways that I had never needed to rely on God. I learned to develop deeper relationship with the Lord. I learned that that relationship with others are important. I learned that becoming one who comforts others is valuable. In those two, three and a half years since then, I've had the privilege of meeting with several men and women who have lost a spouse. I had the opportunity, and a lot of it is from Nancy's experience, to understand in my short window of two years, but her 11 years, the difficulty of single life. We've been able to minister to people in ways that I never knew and understood. Do I care? Yes. But do I understand? No, I did not. Not that you always have to go through something, but it does make a difference. People give you street cred or whatever you call it if you've gone through what they've gone through. They know you know. That's a big deal. They know you know. 2 Corinthians tells us then what we do with all of this blessing. It says, all praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our, what is that word? Merciful. I'm being honest. I didn't feel he was very merciful. He took someone I loved. But did he give someone I love? Yeah. Merciful Father. And he is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Do you understand the secret there? When you get your comfort from God, you have a flow to comfort others. If it's just your wisdom and knowledge, that's good. But that real comfort, that real spirit, that real love comes from that. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I'm not a bumper sticker person, but I love this quote. It says this, uh, when difficulties in life, they can cause you to be either better or bitter better or bitter. 
Even in the church, I see bitter people. They're so unhappy. They're so dark. You don't have to be that way. You have freedom and life in Jesus Christ. So let's go back to the origin, the beginning of this message. All right, unexpected words. Are we truly going to be people of God's kingdom? Because we're going to face stuff in this earth. You can take a road like I did that really is not good. Thank good Godness grace brought me out of that. There were a lot more to that story that I don't want to go into today. Are you going to try to be the one that lives life on your own terms? I'll tell you what I know. In this world, we're going to face times that will cause us to mourn. But life in Jesus is always better in every way. How do you want to live? My daughter, Heather, she's involved, and there's a situation that's very difficult and long-term for her. She wrote me, and she just was really at her end, and she just said, I'm having trouble understanding God and what to do. It just this never ends. And it was one of those moments, and I don't get them a lot, but where I just felt like the Lord just literally gave me the right word. And I just felt it fit as a close to this message. I said to Heather, we all have those times. When I looked back at mine, I realized that my belief in God is what made it worse or better. And then I wrote this, and this is what I think is the nugget. If you dwell in the darkness, you will not see. If you dwell in the light, you will see. That's simple, but it's very powerful. And I wrote at the end, be careful, the enemy is a liar. The enemy lied to me. The enemy told me my life was over. The enemy said I'd never have love again. The enemy told me so many lies, and I believed them. And it put me in this place of darkness. And if you're here today and you're in that place, today's the day to start believing in God. And the things that can happen in your life may be rough, may be difficult, may be good. But when you put God in his goodness, he then can bless whatever he's working in and through. All right? I want to pray. If you'll bow your heads, close your eyes. This is a private moment. It's very important to me, all right, because this is where we're going to do business with God. All right, you've heard this word. It's been my desire that you not only heard it in your mind, but heard it in your heart. But if you're here today and you are in this place, maybe you are struggling in some form of loss, grief, mourning, and you've just, you're stuck. And maybe you've been on that path and been in that dark place for a while, and you want to be free of that. You want the life of God to fill you again. You need help. You need hope. Would you raise your hand? Yes, thank you. So many of you being honest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. It matters to me. Thank you. Lord, these wonderful folks have acknowledged the fact that they're in a place, they're in a place of mourning, and your word is that they are blessed. I pray that you begin to open their eyes to experience the brokenness and the blessing of mourning. Lord, it's easy to paint a fairy tale picture and assume that's the way it is for everyone. But you have each and every one of these that have raised their hands and even those that are here that didn't on this path. And you're weaving your plan and purpose through them. And Lord, it is for your glory and for God's glory that these things happen. I celebrate that. I celebrate that. And that has been my covenant with you and Mary and Nancy, that you would get glory. And I will proclaim that wherever I go. And I thank you for that. And Lord, if I was standing here today still alone and single, I would still be walking in the truth that I preached this day. 
God, you are good. And because you are good, we are blessed. So, Lord, for these morning, I pray that you would lead them and guide them in the way of Jesus. I pray that in your name. And everyone said amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.